Hey there, I'm Matthew Foley and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights. In this episode, I'm excited to have a guest who is stepping on board here at ISO and helping us out with some things, Pastor Chris Goins. Pastor Chris, Chris, I pronounced that correct, last yes. name Goins. So Pastor Chris has been in 40 years of ministry, uh, five years itinerant evangelist speaking, and uh, 35 years being a pastor, yeah. if I remember that correctly. And he is also a part of a training team to help businesses out with uh, John Maxwell's Leadership Seminar. So uh, we're going to dive into some of that, uh, his personal story, his testimony about God, and we're also going to get into some pretty significant things that happened in his life that it, that were big messages to him about uh, how the importance of the family needs to be treated as paramount today in the church. And I'm really excited to hop into it. He's ministered to me through uh, his sermons and messages before and just talking in person. So I'm so excited to have you on, Pastor It's Chris. an honor. It's an honor to be with you, Matthew. Absolutely. I wanted to just dive in. Um, the thing that we usually talk about our guests first straight off the bat is how they were introduced to God, how they came to be in a relationship with Jesus. So yeah. could you tell me about yeah. your relationship? Well, thankfully, I was born into a Christian home. Mm -hmm. And by that, uh, my mom and dad met when my dad was not a Christian. Really? My dad was not a believer at all. And my mom and dad began to date, eventually eloped to get married. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I was a package that came along some months later. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad stood on a stage with my mother the Cell Creek Church of God, where I was presented to God in baby dedication, mm -hmm. if you've ever seen yeah. that act. And something about that act, my dad still didn't know Jesus, but he was standing on a stage indicating that he was going to raise this child yeah. in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Mm -hmm. that, that wrecked my dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, he thought, how, how can I possibly raise my son in the nurture and admonition of the Lord when, when that's just a theory to me. I mean, I came to church because I wanted to find out about his mama. I wanted to date his mom. Now we're married. We've got a child. I'm going to need something. And my dad surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, mm. gave his life completely to Christ, and became a very, very integral part of Cell Creek Church of God, which is just across the river from where we're filming this in Cleveland, wow. Tennessee. So from the time I was a week old, even before my dad knew Christ, my mom and dad were bringing me to church, exposing me mm -hmm. to the gospel. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those kids who grew up in church. Like, I, I, was, I had a drug problem early on. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning, drugged there on Sunday night, drugged there on Wednesday night in those days, drugged there on Friday night, yeah. and drugged there every service for every revival. Mm -hmm. Here's the crazy thing, Matthew. I loved it. Really? I, I loved it. And I mm -hmm. can only call that the irresistible grace of God because I know other mm -hmm. people who are, quote, forced to go to church. It has the opposite effect. Yeah. They end up deploring it, pushing back on it. Mm -hmm. I loved it. My closest friends were at church. My family was at church. I mean, my dad and his older sister were the start of tons of family coming into mm -hmm. church in that small church 
in Tennessee. Yeah. So everything about my life revolved around the church. And I remember distinctly, you, you asked about my relationship with Christ. At eight years of age, I was sitting in the audience. We were in another revival, mm -hmm. which I was drugged to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a guy, I still remember this evangelist name, by the way, and never met him after that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know anything about him other than his name. A guy by the name of R.L. Mabry was preaching. That's all I know. I know his name. Mm -hmm. But he was preaching, and he gave an altar call. And, you know, it seemed big to me. But Cell Creek Church of God at that time was a small church. Today it's a pretty large mm -hmm. church. But uh, I remember people coming to the altar. It seemed like scores were coming to me. And my dad was up playing the guitar mm -hmm. as part of the altar call music. My mom was on the piano. And I came up to dad, and I was just crying. And I started tugging his coattail. And my dad looked down like, what's, what's wrong, son? And I said, this is all I need to say. I need that man to pray for me. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, my dad had the awareness to know that saying, yeah. the Lord was dealing with my heart. Mm -hmm. That he was inviting me to know him. And that night, I surrendered my life to Christ. So wow. that's how I came up. And from there on, I mean, I just... Loved the church, loved mm. going, so got very active in the church, as active as my mom and dad were, and they were extremely active. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, <clears throat> at 16 years of age, after pursuing being filled with the Holy Spirit for years and mm -hmm. never being filled, in a revival meeting that Perry Stone led in Daisy, Tennessee, that's about five miles from Cell Creek, yeah. south, I ended up being filled with the Spirit in that revival and called into the ministry. Wow. Did you ever have a, a talk with people that were your age, that were in the church, that didn't relate to it that way? Did you ever have to have like a conversation with them? Because if you know that there are young people, teenagers, kids even, that feel like that they're forcibly being put in a church, did, did that kind of, was there anything in you that could understand what they were talking about? Or did you recognize, yeah. were you aware, this is God putting this love in my heart? At that time, I don't think I knew it at that time. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's perspective that gave me that mm -hmm. because my brothers, I've got three brothers. Okay, all three of them went through a rebellious period. My youngest brother not only went through a rebellious period but went into 20 years of addiction. Mm -hmm. And when we look back and examine, we're we're really grateful mm -hmm. for our parents and for our family and for the huge heritage that they gave us. But part of what may have driven him into addiction mm -hmm. was, was some of the unhealthy boundaries that existed in our family of origin between church and family. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe they existed between God and church because God is ultimate and deserves mm -hmm. ultimate allegiance. But for some reason, my parents went above and beyond mm -hmm. in terms of their allegiance to, dedication mm -hmm. to, devotion to the church. Mm. And that ended up in all three of my brothers going into some rebellious okay. years. Thankfully, uh, two of my brothers have come back to faith. They're sold out to Jesus. They're, they're even pastors to That's this awesome. day. Uh, one of my brothers, I think he would describe himself as a person of faith, mm. but uh, uh, that, that's what I would say. He yeah. would describe himself as a person of faith. Yeah, and when you felt the call to ministry then, with as 
devoted as your parents were to the church and as devoted as they were to serving the Lord, what was the idea about what ministry is to you when you felt that call, when you could envision it, when you're thinking about, okay, I'm called to serve the Lord? What, did it, what was that vision of life like to you? Yeah, th- th- this is interesting that you would ask that mm-hmm. because early on I knew it was pastoring. Mm. And I say it's interesting because I was called into the ministry in this huge revival that shook my world. It yeah. revolutionized my world. I had never seen a move of God like what I saw in that revival. And something about that gripped me. I wanted to see God, pardon this terminology, terminology I wanted to see him blow up in my generation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see that kind of move of God replicated in, in every aspect of my life, in every mm. sphere of my life. I wanted to see revival in my high school, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I early on understood that somehow my life would be in the context of pastoring mm-hmm. and loving and leading a local church. Now, I had all kinds of mixed up ideas mm-hmm. about what that would be. Yeah, what were some of those, if you don't mind sharing? I, I, because a lot of young people, I'm sure, have similar ideas or yeah, ideas about I, ministry. I think I thought it would be easier. Uh-huh. Than, than it is. Yeah. I think I, I thought it would be um, probably uh, more, I, I've got to use this word carefully, enjoyable mm. than every aspect is. Now, I need to clarify, I loved pastoring. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to paint the idea that it was not enjoyable to I think, me. I think I could ask what makes it hard. That yeah. may be a good question. Here's what makes it hard. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. Thank you for clarifying. Mm -hmm. When you love people deeply, Mm. see, that's what I didn't count on, that I would love people deeply. Wow. So when they're in pain, you you can't just say amen and go home and everything is the same as before you were aware of that deep Mm. pain. Once you begin to love people deeply, there's not a switch that you turn off at night when you go home. Mm. It stays there. And, you know, you can, you can hear all that is said about uh, drawing some kind of distinction between pastoral life and home life and family life. That switch was never easy for my parents to turn off. Yeah. And it was never easy for me to turn off. Mm. So that... I think that's what was hard is when the church was suffering or when the church was undergoing something difficult, it would, it would worry me. It would mm-hmm. create anxiety within me. Uh, when, when a member was going through a divorce, I would feel that pain. Mm-hmm. When a member, I've showed up just moments after someone committed suicide. I was there while the wow. body was still at the mm-hmm. house. That creates a heartache that is inexplicable Mm. when someone loses a child Mm. i mean to to be with a parent who never dreamt that they would have to say goodbye to their very own child those moments mark you and though they're integral to being a pastor they produce in you Wait, and then when you love people, Matthew, and I would say this to you, when you deeply love people and you're unfairly criticized. Hmm. By the same people or someone else, outsiders? Anyone. Uh. And sometimes it is the same people. Uh. 
but you love church. You love the church. You love the church of Jesus, mm -hmm. and something uh, insignificant that you might have said. Perhaps you, I, I don't know. Perhaps you, uh, maybe maybe you accidentally said a word that someone found offensive. I remember mm. doing this once. Mm -hmm. I said a word I never dreamt that it was a bad word. I never dreamt. Yeah. Someone got incredibly offended and I'd never heard it as a bad word, mm -hmm. but they were very offended by that word. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't need to mention the word. <laughs> But those kinds of yeah. things I've, are I've seen it happen before. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen like such a specific, peculiar word, and someone could say, listen, my parents taught me to never say that, and they get extremely offended. So those kind of things do happen. Oh, people yes. have so particular convictions sometimes. I, I've seen people leave a church family mm. over the most uh, minuscule things. Mm. And when you truly love people, those losses hurt. Yeah, It feels as if... A part of your body was was somehow maybe a thumb mm -hmm. amputated, mm -hmm. like you're missing something. Now I've seen pastors who are very harsh with yeah. these kinds of individuals who leave, and they, I, I feel that in their insecurity, they're saying things that they don't mean at heart, where they mm -hmm. say very harsh things about people yeah. that leave. I never felt that way about people who left. I felt like I needed to examine. How did I fail these individuals? Mm -hmm. How did we fail to serve them well? How did we fail to provide an environment in which they could grow and thrive? What is it that led to their departure? So those mm -hmm. things wear on you through the years. I hope I've answered your question. Yeah. I think I've I sort think of did. been very circular there. But, but still, I mean, uh, one thing that really stuck out to me is when you mentioned about being there for people in the hardest times, because the pastor is expected to be there during the worst tragedies of people's lives. And for them, that's like salvation. Mm. But for the pastor, you're nine to five or more than that, most often more than that for a lot of people, is constant tragedy sometimes yeah. where you're having to step into people's to comfort them in the middle of their darkness. And match emotion yeah. to emotion. And yeah. my next question here in the direction I wanted to head in is what kind of toll does that take on your family and on those relationships that are so normal? Everyone has a family. Everybody in the world has a family, but not everyone has to deal with the, this family engaging children growing up, their father and mother engaging people who are going through these difficult things and being there for them. What does that look like in the family dynamic? Yeah. So um, it, it needs to be said that I so honor my parents. I wouldn't know Jesus mm -hmm. without my parents. Mm -hmm. Both of them are in heaven. So they're, they're possibly hearing mm -hmm. this podcast even as it's being recorded or as it's being rebroadcast. I, I don't know. Hmm. But I, I looked at my family of origin and I learned passion for God, passion for church, passion for worship from my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I was worshiping somewhere. Uh, was it OCI? Mm -hmm. uh, just a couple of Tuesday nights ago. And a person came up to me and after it said, hey, I've got to tell you something. I've told your brothers, but never told you. I learned worship from your mother. My mother was a passionate worshiper. Wow. She was so passionate uh, in her worship. 
my dad and mom have marked my worship to this day. Mm. I don't want to say how old I am, but I'm older. But I will say this. Uh, in a worship experience, I come in there to give my all to God. Mm -hmm. To me, that should be the overflow of the way I've lived my life all week. I learned that from my mom and dad. Mm. I'm starting with that because I've got to say something very vulnerable. I also learned to some degree pastoring, care for people, uh, the prioritization of church over family mm -hmm. from my mom and dad. Yeah. At ISO, we always strive to provide discounts and incentives for our students. Now, we're thrilled to announce our best value ever, the ISO All Access Pass. For just $99 per month, any student can access our entire learning platform. An ever-expanding library of fascinating, groundbreaking teaching at your fingertips for the average price of just one ISO course. There has never been such a prime opportunity to pursue your biblical education. Students in many traditional schools pay $100 to learn every day for every single course. With the All Access Pass, that amount gives you access to our entire course catalog. At ISO, you can learn from world-class teachers on a wide variety of subjects, all at your own pace. With the subscription-based model of the All Access Pass, there are no obligations to put yourself in debt for decades. If you're hungry to learn about the Word, there's never been a better value. That's countless hours of teaching and materials with no limit on how much you can learn. Now, more than ever, ISO is excited to connect the Word with the world. Go to isow.org to get started with the All Access Pass today. Now, I looked at them. I particularly looked at what happened with my brothers when they went into rebellion. Mm -hmm. And I made mental notes that I don't want that to happen with my family. Yeah. Here, here's the problem with, with attempting to create a life from what you don't want to happen with your family. Mm -hmm. You're always going to drift towards what you focus on, yeah. even if it's what you don't want. You have to have a compelling goal of what you do want, mm. a compelling vision. Uh, the writer said, without a vision, the people, people perish. perish. Yeah. I failed to develop what I really thought was a compelling vision for my family. So as a husband, as a father, I gave myself to the church just as my, my mom and dad mm -hmm. had given themselves to the church. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things I would change about the way I parented my children, mm -hmm. you know. So many regrets I have about expectations I had for them, mm -hmm. about the way they would live, the way they would dress, what they would do. I, I feel that I created uh, an unreasonable demand upon them mm -hmm. that, that in many ways gave them a picture of law but fail to demonstrate grace mm. in so many ways. Um, as you know, because you've heard part of my story, this eventually created a crisis in my marriage. Yeah. And that crisis was, was, was not one of the three A's. It wasn't adultery, it wasn't abuse, it wasn't some kind of a hidden addiction. Uh, I've described it like this, Solomon said, 
catch the foxes, the little foxes, before, before they spoil the vineyard of our love. Mm. And our marriage died a death by a thousand paper cuts. It was all kinds of little things that gradually built to big things that my wife felt like I, I can't stay one moment longer mm. in this pain, in this devastation, in this gap that exists between myself and my husband. Outward appearances, things look fine. Mm-hmm. But inwardly, particularly my wife, she was dying. Now, here's what I would later discover, Matthew. Mm-hmm. I was dying too. Yeah. I just didn't slow down long enough to notice it. Wow. I was dying. You know, what helped me realize how far gone I was, was when my wife ultimately left me. Mm -hmm. She left. She went so far as to hire an attorney to seek the disillusion. That's the technical language of our marriage. And uh, boy, in that desperation, that was a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. And in that desperation, I reached out, began intensive counseling. I learned about all that had occurred in me, the emotionally unhealthy environment mm-hmm. I had created for my wife, an environment that was just unattractive for her to come home to. It mm-hmm. was lifeless. It was void. All I was living for was church, was yeah. being a successful pastor. Mm-hmm. building, leading a church through the COVID crisis, getting mm-hmm. us through out the other side, still successful. Wow. And my wife was completely dead inside. So I, I can't remember your original question at this point. Yeah. I hope I've answered it. <laughs> no, I think you have because I wanted to kind of head in, in that direction because one of the things that I've talked about on the show before, uh, just to be real, is there's something in the church today among honestly charismatic and Pentecostal churches, I've noticed, because I grew up in those churches. That's my experience. That's my world. And I saw families who invested so much of their time and energy into serving the church because they had this drive and this passion to get people saved before Jesus came back, which is an incredible thing. Uh, And it's it's a correct thing to want people to be saved. But there, there's this thing that people are now course correcting with because they're noticing the fall. I, I don't think your story is just localized to you. I've noticed this across all kinds of families in the church right now. Yeah. There's fallout that's coming with children and in relationships and marriages because people didn't cultivate their own relationships with each other. Yeah. They knew how to minister to people on the streets and how to talk to people in the church and run Sunday schools, but they didn't go home and learn how to talk to each other when they're just eating breakfast. Um, and I don't, I'm not trying to talk about your own personal situation, but this is something that I even found in my own life. Once I got married, (laughs) I found out, oh my word, we have got, and thank God we do, but we've got to learn to talk about just normal things. And I had been told that there needs to be this constant 24 hour obsession with furthering the things of God, yeah. but the good things in life are the things of God. Absolutely. And I was never told that. Yeah, yeah. I was never taught I mean, that. I think it was Paul writing to Timothy who said, God gives us all things richly yeah. for our enjoyment. Um, you know, my wake-up call, mm-hmm. uh, when, when my wife left, 
And I felt such despair Hmm. over her leaving. I felt despair for a couple of reasons. First of all, Paul wrote to Timothy these words. If a man can't lead his own family, I'm paraphrasing. If a man can't lead his own family, how can he possibly lead the church of God? Mm -hmm. I was wrecked by that thought. How could I continue to pastor and care for others if I had failed to care for my own family? It led me, and I'm not saying that this needs to be every pastor. I would Mm -hmm. not intimate that for a moment. But for me, it was clear that I must resign as a pastor. Not because of adultery or immorality. None of those things had occurred. Mm -hmm. But I had failed to create the kind of environment that allowed my wife to flourish. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out what, what was that reason. Because my wife was, is a good woman Mm. so what was that inequity what was lacking in the way i was leading Mm -hmm. that was causing that breakdown Mm -hmm. so i resigned because of that secondly one day when i was running god spoke to me and said chris i never asked you to die for the church wow jesus already did that wow i did challenge you through paul Mm to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. I challenged you to be willing to die for your wife. Are you willing to die to you? And in fact, Matthew, it got even more real. Uh, John 12, 24 became critical for me during our separation. Uh, God spoke to me one day, reminding me of that passage where Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth a harvest that is abundant. Mm -hmm. And God spoke to me and said, Chris, Janet's not coming back to the same man or the same marriage. Mm -hmm. Way too painful for her. But if you will, as a man, die. Wow. And if you will let your marriage die, and trust me, I'm the God who can resurrect you. And I'm the God who can resurrect that marriage. And when Mm -hmm. I bring it back, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the same marriage. It's going to be a new, better, more vibrant marriage than you've ever dreamt possible. But you've got to die for that to happen. And Matthew, that was the turning point for me. Now, I I need to quickly, Mm -hmm. in responding to all that you said, say this. During our marital crisis, I was doing a lot of things right spiritually. Mm -hmm. I didn't miss a day. I mean, I can take you to my Bible app journal. It will let you know that I've went a few thousand days without missing a day in my Bible reading. Mm -hmm. I was was marking off that box, but you Mm -hmm. see, that's what it had become, a box. The prayer thing, I was marking off that box. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fasting thing, I was marking off that box. I mean, there were so many of these boxes that... We equate the spirituality mm-hmm. that I was marking off. But do you know what was missing? What? The fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, one translation says, love in all its very dimensions. Mm-hmm. Joy that, that overflows. Peace that subdues. Mm-hmm. Patience that endures. Here's a big one that many of us need to get. Kindness in action. Mm. 
I mean, when is the last time you ever thought of the fruit of the Spirit being kindness wow. in action? Think about what homes would look like if our spouse thought of us and thought of, oh my goodness, I, I don't know how to describe him or her, but their kindness in action. Mm. Goodness or moral virtue and moral beauty. Mm. Faithfulness and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Loyalty to God, loyalty to spouse, family, loyalty to your commitments in life. And here's one that I, I hang out on a lot, gentleness or meekness, which is meekness is strength under control mm-hmm. and then self-discipline or mm-hmm. self-control. That kind of thing, that was missing, particularly the joy part mm-hmm. in our marriage. Can I tell you, and I, yeah. I know we're, we're getting close to time, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So before we run out, I've got to say, God did resurrect that marriage. That's awesome. <laughs> God did heal us through yeah. a series of events that, that are unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. But the characteristic, you know, my wife just texted me before I, I walked out of here. And the messages I'm getting from her these days, mm-hmm. the text messages, the voice texts, the the voicemails, the notes, the handwritten notes, mm-hmm. or the kind gestures, you know, the, the, they, they blow me away at the joy, the joy that exists mm-hmm. in our marriage. Just this yeah. funny little story. I'm a, I'm a big health guy. Mm-hmm. So on most days, I track every macro that enters my body. It doesn't look like it, but I do it. <laughs> and uh, my wife knows that, but my wife mm-hmm. also knows that if there is a dessert that is my favorite dessert, it is ice yeah. cream. You made I'm, an exception, huh? Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Ice, I, I mean, <laughs> ice cream. And there's a particular brand of ice cream that I love. Uh-huh. It's so stinking expensive. Uh, can you that, tell us what it is? Yeah, it's Jenny's. Jenny's, oh, Jenny's ice cream? Yeah, no, I haven't tried oh, that before. It's J-E-N-I. They sell it at Publix, by the way. Oh, little okay. It's, it's so expensive, you can't afford it. So, <laughs> but, but. That keeps wife, you from having it too often. That's, that's the right. Yeah. That's, so my wife yesterday, uh, she went out grocery shopping Sunday afternoon, you know, and I'm staying home and uh, just having a good lazy Sunday afternoon. Mm. She comes in with the groceries about five o'clock and she says, oh, by the way, I, I got you something. And she pulls out this, this little pint of Jenny's <laughs> Brambleberry Crisp ice cream. That sounds good. Now, I had managed my mm-hmm. macros all day until that came out. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it was time for joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was time for <laughs> celebration. And I think we've, we've got to build. That was something that was missing. Yeah. Because my life was about discipline. It was about checking off boxes, mm-hmm. the to-do list. And I was missing so much of that. Wow. And what we, as we've entered back into this mm-hmm. stage, what we've decided is we will, yes, discipline is important. Mm-hmm. Being a person of your word, critically important. But if you're doing all of that to the exclusion of joy and beauty yeah. and grace and kindness and fun and laughter and celebration, mm-hmm. you've missed part of the gospel. Wow. Get back to the whole gospel. Man, that's powerful. Well, in our, our closing here, I just wanted to ask you, if, if you had someone who is watching this, a young couple or an older couple for that matter, who's walked with the Lord, they've done everything they know to do. They've walked the spiritual walk. They've done what they've been taught in church. 
but they've reached that place where they don't feel the joy of God in their relationship with one another. They're reaching the end of their rope and they feel just depleted. What would you say to them if yeah. they came to you and they said, we're at the end of our rope, we don't know what to do, Pastor Chris? Uh, here's the thing I neglected, and it revolutionized my life. Get outside help. Mm. Here's what I mean by get outside help. I felt that because I was a pastor, I could handle things. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would talk to a couple of overseers, and they would offer insights. I even tried counseling once, and the first session with that counselor, the counselor looked at me, and she figured out that I was a pastor. My wife was sitting right next to me. Oh, you're a pastor. Well, you don't really need any help. You just wow. need a quick tune-up. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Really? My wife was so shattered mm. because she knew we did need help. Mm -hmm. We didn't just need a tune-up. I will tell you that my life began to change when I got significant outside help from a thoroughly Christian counselor who loved me mm -hmm. but wasn't impressed by me, didn't blow <laughs> wow. smoke at me, kicked me in the seat of the pants, mm -hmm. proverbially speaking, mm -hmm. when I needed it. I mean, every time I would walk in and talk to Dr. Michael, he would look at me and he would basically answer, you know what you've got to do with that, right, Chris? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be yeah, here if yeah. I knew. You're going to have to die to that, Chris. Mm. And he would talk to me regularly about dying to my will, dying to my desire, taking up my cross, following Christ. He would help me be accountable to that. Mm -hmm. He challenged me by saying things like this to me, Chris, I, I, don't, I don't think you listen well. In fact, I, I don't think you know how to listen. Wow. But you're going to learn to listen. That outside help was so critical mm. that when my wife finally 60 days into a separation, when my wife finally met with me, agreed to meet with me in person, these are her words, not mine. She felt like the change that she saw in me, and that change had come because for those 60 days, this counselor, sometimes twice a week, mm. had pounded into me God's word. I was meeting with a small group of brothers. Mm. Uh, so I was doing two times a week with Dr. Michael. Then I would go meet with a small group of brothers for two or three hours. They would stay mm -hmm. there as long as they needed to, pounding the same kinds of messages into me. When my wife saw the dramatic change that occurred at the end of those days, her heart began to open up to mm. me again wow. because she Thank saw God. that help. To this day, by the way, we still get outside help. My mm. wife became a fan of Dr. Michael. My wife, not only do I go to Dr. Michael, we go to Dr. Michael, mm. she goes to Dr. Michael. Why? We can't live without that outside influence in our life. Yeah. Furthermore, you know, marriage, marriage conferences, mm. we've been to so many last year when we came back together. I mean, I overdid it, I'm an achiever. So mm -hmm. I'd signed us up for so many that when December rolled around, I'd signed us up for one in December. My wife looked at me and said, sweetheart, we've done like three of these <laughs> and we have cried at every one of them mm -hmm. for like hours and hours. Do you think that we 
we could take a pause on the December one and let's <laughs> let's come back next year. You get so, a break from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're 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 signed up. We'll be yeah. at a marriage conference in like two weeks, and we're both looking forward to that. Along with what we've done personally, now we're working with an organization mm-hmm. that that leads marriage conferences because what yeah. we've seen God do in us is so significant. Mm-hmm. We don't want couples to reach that place. So my big thought, and by the way, I'm assuming you, you set this up by this mm-hmm. being a Christian couple. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're praying. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're a part of a local church. I'm assuming all of that. The part I'm not assuming is that they're getting outside help mm-hmm. and they're living out that help. Because if you get good help, yeah, it's life changing. It has been for us. Wow. Well, that's incredible, Pastor Chris. And I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to say to you guys, what comes to my mind through everything that you said to close for those listening is the statement that Jesus made to his disciples where he said to them, if you will lose your life for my sake, then you'll yeah. find it. But if you want to keep your life, you will surely lose it. Amen. And the key to joy is to lose yourself for mm. someone else. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to say to those listening for tuning into this episode, and I hope that it's blessed you. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. God bless. We'll catch you guys later.